cool, guys. Um, let's do this, yeah? Yep. Okay. This is Silicon Reel, the video podcast dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. I'm Brian Rose. I also host London Reel, which is a, a similar three-person trialogue format. Uh, we have guests like Tim Ferriss from the four-hour uh, work week. We had uh, George Galloway from Parliament in here. We had uh, Max Kaiser from Russia Today yelling about Bitcoin. Um, but uh, my co-host today is uh, Mr. Joe Scarborough. He is a former CFO of an oil and shipping company. And now, I believe you're the co-founder of To Be Seen. That's right. Which is uh, the online community for the entertainment industry. And more importantly, Joe has a beard. And he is one of three men with beards in this country called the Three Beards. And they host a variety of things, including the weekly Silicon Drink About, uh, the monthly Don't Pitch Me Bro, and the quarterly Digital Sizzle. Is that right? right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you haven't been to the Drink About, you got to go. Um, it's kind of like something we do after Silicon Reel every week. It's a, uh, a basically a, a meeting of tech people either interested or in the tech business. Or sometimes if you want to just go look at people in the tech business, <laughs> like a zoo. Um, you can show up. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to reserve. It's got a cool vibe. It's a lot of fun. And I always tell people it's strange because you meet people who are excited about their jobs, which is not a normal thing. So um, it's a lot of fun. Come check that out. Joe, thanks for being here. I appreciate it in, in, uh, in the hot chair. Yeah. And um, our guest today is Mr. Samad Masood, who is the program director of the FinTech Innovation Lab here in London. We've been talking about this for the last couple episodes here on, on Silicon Reel. I really want to get to the bottom of this thing. You're also a technology research manager at Accenture, um, where I believe you manage what, UK technology and global infrastructure? Yeah. Research okay. of research, research of those of, industries, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, uh, your career began, I think, as a technology journalist, and you became an analyst, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's so. Uh, I kind of, yeah. I've always been in some way uh, observing the technology industry, but I've never really actually done any technology or created a startup myself, which is, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, puts me in a strange position, actually. Yeah. Well, well, that's good. Well, we're going to talk about this whole incubation thing. You are the program director of the FinTech Innovation Lab, which uh, uh, basically is an annual mentorship program to help entrepreneurs and early-stage companies that are developing cutting-edge technologies in the financial services sector. Is that about right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, right. the, the thing, the FinTech Innovation Lab is the, different, the difference between the lab and other accelerators uh, that, I, that I can see is really what we're doing is bringing together uh, a bunch of really big IT buyers rather than, let's say, investors. Uh, so we bring together about uh, 14 large global banks. Um, you can see on our website who they are, but it includes Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Citibank, Barclays, RBS, okay. Deutsche Bank, UBS. You know, it's banks. probably easier to list the big banks that aren't, aren't there. Um, and uh, it's run by Accenture, which I work for. And the idea is that uh, we have startups applying. Uh, they pitch to uh, the, the banks directly. And we're not just getting sort of like the junior guys in the banks. We have the top IT directors or the European CIOs or global CIOs from each of the bank, banks. And they sort of listen to these pitches. Uh, together, the banks choose um, the, startup, the, uh, the startups that they want to go on the program. And then the three-month program sort of kicks off. Uh, and those startups on the program, it's kind of... Mentorship is part of it, but it's also really a kind of like a agile development opportunity because uh, the startups on the program basically get to meet a lot of the different people within the banks who might use their technology, who might be involved in implementing their technology if the bank did buy it, uh, who might have good uh, feedback in terms of... Uh, how they should shift their proposition in terms of enabling the bank to buy it or hitting on the right thing. So, for example, a startup might come and they've got some great technology that they think does A, but a couple of the banks actually really think it can do B, and another bank thinks it can do C. So on the program, they can explore A, B, and C with all those banks in a non-salesy environment and understand which of these propositions or which of these use cases might be better for them to take um, Maybe they can take both of them. You know, maybe the banks will help them or be interested in both. Maybe as a business decision, they can go down two routes or stick with one route. Um, and at the end of the program, they really should be in a much stronger position with their business in terms of understanding the pressures and the, the things they need to do to sell to a large corporate. Banks are the biggest IT spenders, private 
sector IT spenders going. And selling to a bank is a really complicated thing. And it's almost this kind of thing of pride that they say in the industry. If you can sell technology to a bank, you can sell it to any large corporate because of the regulatory issues, the security layers that you need to get through, and all the different people you need to kind of get to say yes uh, before they actually start even, you know, looking at procuring your, your technology. So at the end of the program, you should be in a position where you've had loads of feedback from multiple banks. Uh, and you've been able to understand where you should be putting your investment. And in fact, we finish with an investor day where it gives the, the startups an opportunity to pitch their new propositions to investors. Basically saying, you know, before the program, we had this technology that we wanted investment, but you didn't know whether any large corporate would buy it. We just spent three months with the world's biggest banks, and yeah, actually three or four of them are really interested in this. So you know, show me the money. You know that kind of thing. Well, it what's, also what's the timeline for this? Just to give people, I know you have like a September yeah. deadline for people applying, and then I think you do kind of like a dragon's den choosing process, yeah. and then you incubate what first, first quarter next year. Yeah, so the applications are open now, and they close on the 8th of September. Uh, the, the process is the, we have executives from the banks who are scoring those applications, and the top 15 or so applications will go through to the Dragon's Den, okay. which is the interview day. Uh, Are there that, any limits on who can apply? I mean, I guess like a public company can't apply. I mean, does it have to be kind of like small? Actually, the way we define it is uh, you have to have minimum, you have to have a beta technology. So you can't just be coming with an idea. You have to have some beta product, at least, that you can play around with and, and show. But at a maximum, you can't already be established in the financial services industry. It's got to be innovative. It's got to be new. So if the banking industry already knows you as a company, then you know, you're not for this program. It, obviously, if you're a large company that already, already can spend uh, sales dollars and marketing dollars to get into the banking industry, then the banks simply won't choose you because they know they, you can do it this yourself. Uh, they are honestly there to help small uh, companies and entrepreneurs get a foot in the industry. They really want to see new innovation and they want to help. They know how difficult it is for smaller companies and they know that that makes it uh, harder for them to buy or, and, and, and find smaller companies and new ideas. So really the definition is if the banks think that they can help you and they can help you significantly change your growth potential through this program, then uh, and, and they think that what you have is something that they can use, then you're right for it. And it doesn't okay. matter if you could be a company that's been going 15 years and employs a few hundred people, or you could have been going two months. You know, it's, it's as broad as that. And it can't hurt to apply. They can just go It can't on. hurt to apply, basically. Okay. It can't hurt to apply. Okay, so that's September, and then there's the Dragon's Den selection. When do they choose who's going to be incubated? So by the end of October, uh, the startups that, or the companies that have been chosen will know. Okay. Uh, and then it starts in January uh, till March, the actual program runs. Because it takes us that long to kind of... I mean, we've got Christmas and all that, but we kind of... Once we've chosen the companies, then we work with the banks to really understand which are the best banks to be directly and responsible for mentoring them. So on the program, you can talk to any of the banks, but specific banks will be given responsibility to mentor you directly so that you know, we don't get to the end of March and no one's actually, you know, we, we forgot about one of the companies. You know, someone is going to be responsible for each company. And do, do they move in together into, into a space? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So last year we were at level 39 okay. in Canary, Canary Wharf, Wharf, and yeah. that was a great space. Uh, we, were, we were one of the first programs there. So um, we do house everyone together. Uh, the idea being that uh, it's got to be as easy for the bankers. You know, they don't pay anything for this. We don't pay them anything. They're using their free time. So they, it needs to be easy for them to come. Uh, and if it's in the square mile or it's in Canary Wharf, then that's easy for, for the bankers because that's where their offices are. So Okay, and then Jan, so, uh, Jan to March, you incubate, and then there's like a, is it a pitch day, the final day in March? Or do people present all their tech to everyone? Um, and I, are there VC people there on that final day? I know you're not trying to necessarily foster VC. You're trying to foster yeah. the, well, the growth of the company. So it's, it's, we call it the investor day. Uh, it, we have a sister program in New York, and they call it the Demo Day. And I think their format is slightly different, where they're, they're kind of demoing what they've done. Um, what we do is we take, we take half a day. Um, we invite a lot of senior bankers. We invite a lot of media. Uh, 
we had it last year at the mayor's office. Uh, we hopefully will have it there again this year if, num if, we, if we can find a big enough space there. Cool. We had the deputy mayor presenting. Um, Boris didn't show? Uh, Boris, uh, yeah. We, Boris has put his name to our, to our program, but okay. he's a very busy man. He is busy. Know, he's a very busy man. Um, but the deputy mayor is also perfectly suited because he's a deputy mayor for business. He's also been an entrepreneur himself. So he actually gave a really great speech on, uh, on the day about you know, the challenges he knows that everyone faces and how, how this sort of a program can really help London and things like that. So it, it, was, it was really great. But the benefit for the startups is, yeah, we have investors there. But I, I coached the startups on that day really to focus on what's new about their proposition. You know, don't go into the details of the tech or demoing. It's going straight to the, we, we help this industry like this, or we help businesses save money here or make money here. Uh, we reduce the cost of that. You know, really get down to the specifics, really excite people. And then we have networking afterwards so because people can come and talk to you afterwards. Really, the benefit is, yeah, there's, in, there's investors, there's other senior bankers there. There's some government people, but there's a lot of media. And the occasional we, beard. And the occasional beard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We invite the three beards. We invite other people in the ecosystem. Because for us, it's just trying to get these guys as much exposure as possible. You know, I, I got introduced to you a few weeks ago at, at one of the drinkabouts. I think Bryce introduced me, and you know, you told me about this program, and and uh, and part of it, it almost seemed like philanthropy because, like, you guys set it all up. The bankers donate your time. You know, Accenture doesn't really get anything specific about it, nothing financial. Yeah. You know, it's a uh, it's a strange program in that sense. I mean, you, you've probably seen a lot of incubators in in the area, but most of those mm -hmm. take equity stakes and stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. why 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 are you guys doing that, or why is your program set up like that? I mean, I. I agree with you. I think it's a great, it's a great model. When, when I, and, and I have to say, I can't take any credit for coming up with it. And when, 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 when I was told, uh, you know, uh, well, asked or told to do this program, I was told, yeah, this, this is how, this is how the, the program works. And I was sitting there like, wow, this is awesome. This is like, you know, it all just kind of fits together nicely. The banks get something out of it, Accenture. I'll explain Accenture's position on it and how, how they, how, why they're involved and why we came up For with this. For people that don't know, can you tell people what Accenture is? Because some people are not. Accenture not. is the world's largest IT services and outsourcing company. Um, and uh, we, we focus, you know, on, on providing IT consulting, IT uh, implementation, uh, outsourcing. We do some business process outsourcing. And we're a global company. I think we are hitting about 29 billion revenues, and we have about 260,000 employees. So They're big. Yeah, we're a <laughs> very, very big company. Um, but we're also renowned for being very flexible and very, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're at heart uh, consulting and technology services company. So we're kind of, you know, we, we, we mold to whatever the industry is, is doing, and, you know, we partner with a lot of things. I mean, um, IBM is you know uh, one of our biggest competitors, but also one of our biggest partners. You know, it's one of those industries where uh, there's a lot of this kind of uh, co-opetition going on. So we're quite quite comfortable with that sort of stuff. Um, you were saying no. So when you got told about the program, you were yeah so, surprised. Yeah, no. I, I, I well, I was just I was happy that such a program kind of existed because you know there is a challenge I think with accelerators putting in equity stakes. Um, and whether that kind of changes the, the focus and such. And I think really what it boiled down to was we, uh, we wanted to do a couple of things. So we wanted to uh, help London and in New York, where the program started. The aim was to help entrepreneurs in New York. And we um, partnered with uh, the New York City Investment Fund, or it's, it's actually called the, the Partnership for New York City Fund, which is a non-profit fund set up to invest in entrepreneurs in New York in lots of different industries. And they worked with Accenture to come up with the fintech concept and, and how it worked. And we thought, well, we can apply this to London as well. And the aim is that we can take an asset that a city like London has, which is financial services, and the asset of you know, tech city and, and Silicon Roundabout and all the great things that are happening here and try and bring those together in a kind of, um, you know, I kind of think of it, it's, it's where the rubber hits the road. You're getting companies and you're getting people who buy technology. You're getting people who make technology, people who buy technology, and you're getting them to actually give it a go and, and try it out over a three-month period. 
Um, this would never happen without you guys as a middleman. Probably. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and, and let me explain what why we do it. specifically Accenture gets out of it. So there's you know all these banks are our clients, and we want to be able to provide them a platform for innovation. Uh, you know they all these banks do this sort of stuff separately. Uh, they, they have their own engagement with startup communities or their own innovation programs. But by being a sort of middleman, we bring together all the banks together in a kind of independent uh, way. And they can then collaborate together on things. Let their guard down a little. And let their guard down a, a bit. It's no one bank leading this. So, and, and obviously, we get a bit of kudos for that. You know, I mean, there's, that's, uh, we're, we're helping the banks. The banks think that, I call it the you know, the Accenture's cool factor. You know, we want the banks to think we're cool. And, you know, that, that, that's one big objective. But another objective is really investing in London and investing in uh, the economy. You know, we're a massive part of the UK economy. We're massively involved with loads of companies. Um, and, you know, it's, it's in our benefit and it's also in our sort of, uh, you know, our, our own uh, being part of the community to kind of invest back and help, help entrepreneurs grow. Okay. The third thing is also it just gives us an insight into uh, what's hot, you know, what hot technologies are happening out there, and it's a, it's an easy way. For, so f if you cover, if you think of all those things, um, and you know, it, it, it works out for us. You know, really. Joe, you're a finance guy. What 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 comes to mind when you hear about this? You you might have known about it last year, but like, what goes into your mind when you, when you hear him describe that? Um, I think it's good. I don't I don't think enough uh, of the the bigger financial institutions really put enough value in the type of innovation that's in a startup. I mean, they all innovate. They all have to innovate in order to, to keep up with the market. But to get a really, um, the kind of just do it attitude that you get in a startup, I think it's really important for them to, to kind of get with this, with this kind of program and with that, with that pattern of innovation that comes in a startup. And, and that is fairly radically different to what happens um, in their own kind of innovation departments. You know, we always bump into the innovator's dilemma on this show. I mean, I, I work, for almost 10 years in banking at, at a company called ICAP PLC. And, you know, we saw technology coming. We saw electronic broking coming and we ran from it. We were like, let's keep our, let's keep making our money in our old school business model. We've had TransferWise here. We've had John Collison from Stripe here. They all talk about how, you know what they say? They say they're not worried about the banks ever competing with them because they probably won't do it till it's too late, till they have to buy the technology, that kind of thing. But obviously what you're doing is, is trying to, to subvert that. You're trying to kind of tackle that innovator's dilemma and yeah. get what the innovator's talking with the old school guys, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, the innovator's, innovator's dilemma is, it's one of those things sometimes I wonder if it's ever... Is it overused? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I think it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And um, the fact is, if you're making money out of something that has made you money for a long time, uh, and then you see something new that makes you much, much less money. In fact, you have to sink a lot of money into it for an outcome that's undefined and five years in the future. I'd like to meet the guy who makes that decision because I don't think many of us could make that decision. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's a, it's a natural human thing. And with what I'm in my personal hopes for this program are that by bringing the banks together, because one of the key things in our program... Uh, once we get to the end of the program, all the banks sit together in a room, all their senior guys who met at the start and chose the startups, they sit together and we do what's called the chaperone review. Now, chaperone is the term we use for the, the guys within the banks who are mentoring directly or kind of chaperoning the startups through the, their, their program. Um, Sherpa might have been a better, better term. Uh, chaperone's a bit creepy, but... Um, but, sure, sure, buzz a little creepy too. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I see you're on banks carrying their bags, little, and, yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, I, I couldn't think up a better one. But but the chaperones um, then report back to all the senior sponsors, so the CIOs from the banks, and they get to share that. So they all hear what the other bank thought about this company or that company, and um, and I think there's a big opportunity for them to. You know, a lot of people say to me, well surely they don't want to share that information. And yeah, there are certain technologies and certain startups which would be so differentiating for one bank that it wouldn't work in this format for the program. But, you know, more and more of technology, I mean, some would say 80% of technology used by corporates is non-differentiating. It's something that everyone does anyway, and if we can all do it cheaper, then great, you know. And it actually creates, you have this room full of the banks, you have the startups, and when... There's, let's say there's one startup that they all really like, 
and some of the banks didn't have a chance to work with them so much on the program, but they hear the other banks are saying, yeah, that's really good. You know, then that gives them the incentive to try and get over those innovation barriers and go, well, we better quickly execute on this because all our competitors are also keen on this technology. And yeah, the person who gets it first just gets to cut their costs sooner. You know, and it's not going to you know, make or break one bank over another, but it means that you can do it quicker than the other bank. And so ultimately it's giving them some incentive. Some, you know, they're collaborating, but they also get to a stage where they go, we better do this quicker than the next guy because you know, we've all seen this now. Have you ever um, had like a friendly conflict at the beginning when they're picking which startups they want to work with or, or you're kind of separate? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, I, I, we've, I, I we've had startups where I, I'll say to the room at the end of the interview, does anybody, who wants to mentor this startup and everyone's hands go up? Go, okay, that's not going to happen, you know, and so yeah. you've got to, you know, but they're all, they're all good guys. They're really, mm. I'm really, really uh, happy with the people involved in the program from the bank side. They, they all take it in the uh, essence that it's meant to be and everyone sees it first and foremost as something to help London, help entrepreneurs, you know. Um, going through this program does not guarantee you a sale with a bank. You know, it is very, very difficult to sell to a large corporate, yeah. and it takes time, but it gives you a big, big boost. Uh, and if you get to the end of the program and you decide that, yeah, you don't want to sell to a bank or a large corporate because you've been through that intensive peer process and realize, you know what, I don't I have the funding or I don't actually, my, my proposition doesn't, isn't watertight enough for this, then that's, that's great too, because you learned that in three months than taking yeah. three years and meeting two or three banks. Right. So, uh, what happened last year? Uh, what, what, what's you know? How many companies came along? What was their fate? And what are you going to do different this year? What did you learn? You know, in the process. So we. It was our first year in London. Because New York has been going for five or six years. No, New York is now uh, just finished its third year. Third. Okay. Yeah. So New York was finishing its second year as we were starting our first, okay. and we had sixty-two applications. Wow. Um, and. Of those, we shortlisted 14. Uh, then we were aiming to choose six, but we squeezed in a seventh. We all agreed that, okay, we can get another one in here. And um, the companies, uh, some are quite well known now, I guess, in within London, but Digital Shadows was one. Okay. Um, and Growth Intelligence. Um, Behavior Sec, which was doing behavioral security, um, sort of... Um, uh, then there was um, a company called Call Trunk, which is now called Open Voice. They sort of pivoted uh, and decided they were going to be focused on something slightly different at the end of the proposition, at the end of the program. Uh, the Open Bank Project uh, and Kibu uh, was another one, which is personal finance management tool. And I'm going to embarrass myself by forgetting one of them. Have I given six or seven? I'm sure there's one other. Digital Shadows, Growth Intelligence. Open bank, behavior sec. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Kibu so so and so did any of those end up, you know, raising money? Did they work with the banks? Did they obviously if you still remember their names, they're still around. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm in touch with all of them and you know, we we're still um most of them, if if not all of them, are still having discussions with the banks. Okay. Uh, you know, and are um you know, in oh I forgot, Waratech is the seventh. Okay. Waratech was a really, really interesting company, and they've done really, really uh, well out of this. And, and they're actually not just applicable to financial services. So they do uh, virtualization of Java, and, um, which I'm already getting technically out of my depth there, but uh, <laughs> what it does is enables you to virtualize Java implementations much more than just beyond the hardware level. So you're going into the software level, it, software virtualization. So is there anything you're going to do differently this year after last year, or, or is it kind of the same model? You said, I mean, you must be climbing a big learning curve doing something like yeah, this. Yeah, we learned a lot of stuff. And there's a couple of things that we're doing differently. So um, first is, uh, during our first year, during the program, each bank had an event. So each bank, every week, we'd have one or two events with the banks. And one bank would basically open its doors, invite all the startups to their bank. It sounds like a fraternity rush, by the way. Yeah. Like everyone wants to be the big brother and they want to show how cool their house is. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, and they would then put on a few drinks or nibbles and they would give a presentation on their bank or a theme. We asked them all to give a presentation on a theme. So some of them did like procurement, some did security, some did like the growth of technology and banking, some, you know, 
But really the aim was for us to get a few more people within the bank socializing with the startups, but also for the startups to kind of get a bit of insight into the different cultures of the banks. And it's quite eye-opening when you go to 12 different banks, you know, from, which come from you know, two different continents, and they, they're all, they've all got different cultures, and they're all very different types of banks. Um, so that, that worked pretty well. But what we learned from that was actually one of the things that worked really well was speed dating. And what we're doing this year is in the first two weeks of the program, each bank, it's going to be intense, but we have each bank will do half a day of speed dating on their own premises. So all the companies turn up and they get speed dating with a, a series of different executives. So banks, you have the IT guys, you might have people from different parts of the IT division because IT divisions are massive companies in themselves. Mm -hmm. Then we'll have senior executives from different parts of the business, so the business side. So that might be you know, the retail ba banking or mobile, uh, mobile banking or uh, might be the, the tr uh, trading, different trading desks, etc. Um, or you know, wealth management, etc. And that gives those senior executives an opportunity to very quickly meet these startups. And if it sparks off any initial ideas of, yeah, that's great, you know, that we should, we should talk more. It kind of, it's lead generating. And the chaperones, uh, who I mentioned earlier, who are kind of from each of the banks and helping this, that gives the chaperone and each of the startups a few leads at the start of the program to go, okay, let's follow up mm -hmm. these guys. Or we thought you'd be a real hit, but we, you just spoke to the, like, the most senior guy in that division and he doesn't, he doesn't get it. So we need to find another way to get to him. Mm -hmm. Or we need to actually think about, you know, there was that other guy who really liked what you're doing and thought, you know, you could apply it to the, their part of the business. In this whole process, I'm just curious, how, how much is the technology and the business idea and how much is the person behind it? I mean, that's why we do this show, to find out the people behind the tech. And, and a lot of people that have been here said they invest in people ultimately, you know? So, I mean, I, you know, speed dating, I guess, is getting to know the person, but you must see it on the front lines. I mean, obviously, a really cool, motivated guy with no business plan is no, no use to them, but yeah. like, how much, how much well, is it? Well, I mean, one thing I'll say is that speed dating is not the best way to learn someone's personality or whether you can work with them. <laughs> it's a quick way to like really quickly. Is this from your own personal understand. experience? No, no, I, I just, well, oh, yeah, yeah. no, no, okay. no, 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 uh, yeah, no, I, uh, yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you exposed me. I've speed dated before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, um, but the, the speed dating thing, you know, it's great for like very quickly getting a lot of information and then having a quick, a few early thoughts and then following up with, uh, but in terms of your question, is it the person or is it the technology? I, from my personal viewpoint, I would say it's 90% the person. Wow. Because it's, it's like all business. And I think, well, and again, this is, this is me talking and my experience as a journalist and seeing the dot-com crash and then seeing the new you know, uh, bubble being created right now. Um, it's, it, it's about business. It's not about technology. And business is about trust. And it's about uh, knowing you can work with someone and feeling that, I mean, there's this term shared value, which is terrible. It really means you get something out of this, I get something out of this. And if we both know what we're both getting out of this, that's cool. We, we're okay with that. And actually, what I've learned by seeing businesses interact with each other, if one business doesn't know what the other business is getting out of this, then they, they, you know, they want you to make something out of this because they want you to be as driven in, into it as well. So actually, a lot, of the tech, a lot of the startups who come to me and say, I, I want to apply, what am I going to say? You know, what should I focus on? I, I always say, focus on the business side and focus on what you want from this because it's human beings who are choosing you and those, those human beings want to help you. They want to see you grow. They want to sit back and go, I was involved in that, that guy. He's doing really well now. You know? And they want to invest in you. Um, and we have certainly had examples of great technology which didn't get through because the panel did not think that the person was someone they could work with. Good business. I want to ask Joe the same question. I mean, you, you rub elbows with all the people at these drinkabouts and don't pitch me bros and everything. And I mean, mm. you, you get to know all these personalities. You probably hear, you know, business ideas that overlap each other and things. Absolutely. Would you say 90% or what, what, what's your take on that same question? Yeah, I'd, yeah, but eight, 80 to 90, definitely. I thought you both it's, were going to say 50-50. Huh? No, 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 it's, 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 it's so much about people. Um, you know, uh, my wife's a great one. She's like, you know, this tech thing, it's sucking the, the emotion out of things. 
It's really not. It is all about people. You know, Silicon Drink about is about people. Don't Pitch Me Bro is about people helping people with their, with their propositions. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it is, it's just, it's relationships. And, and the more people understand that if you help somebody and you don't expect anything in return, that kind of pay it forward culture, yeah. you will get it back because you will get a reputation as somebody that helps and then people will want to help you. Yeah, which is pretty much what you guys do, pretty much what you guys are doing. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, I'll say, particularly in B2B technology, so in B2C technology, I'm simplifying it, but you can basically create an app or a website and test the market straight away. When you're selling to businesses, it's a lot more complicated. You have because to customize every, your You product. have to customize okay. your product. So it's probably, if you came to a business with a product that's only half thought through, but then you worked really closely with them to think that through with them, you probably have just as good a chance as coming to them with something that's fully thought through and it's like, you know, it just takes time and trust and relationship to do that. And that's what we're, you know, most of the startups that come to us have, you know, they're not fully baked. They've got technology. They've maybe got making a bit of money. They want to see if they can make this work with a large corporate. And that's what, that's what we're trying to help. It's, but all that is based on trust, relationships, people being able to communicate. Uh, and, you know, people will help you. People will help. If you've got half an idea, they'll help you make it into a full idea because they, they can see the other side of what they, what they would do with that technology. Right. They get personally invested probably in, in what you're doing. You know, mm. This is the part of the show where we try to ask you a couple of devil's advocate questions. I think you have one ready. But you know, I, I was mentioning the Innovation Lab to a few guys that have come through here and sat down at that chair. And, and one thing someone said was they thought at this day and age in 2013, there might be over-incubation. As in you get all these guys ready, you set them up for these they think they might get funding and then they just stop and it's like okay now 15 companies have been set up they're not going to get any funding and they're not any further and i must say after you describe it it seems like a lot of upside getting to know these people but do you hear that argument a lot and what do you say to that so yeah i mean i'd be interested in your your view on this yeah, we'll I, I think i think the over incubation i i think there can be too many things going on that becomes distracting for, for an entrepreneur. That there's so many things that they could get involved in. They've got to really make some tough decisions about, do I apply to this accelerator? Do I take this guy on as my mentor? You know, how do I get rid of him if he's terrible? Yeah, you know, six, kind of, six months you know, out of your business cycle, yeah. you're going here, going there. Exactly. And, and there can be too many things, but I don't think that's, that's up to the individual to decide what's best for them. And there's Having loads of choice and loads of activity in the ecosystem, I think, is great. I'm really happy that there's the opportunity that we could even be suggesting there's over-incubation. But there's one thing I'd like to pick up on what you said about getting investment. And one interesting thing is, is that in our program, like I said earlier, I see it as where the rubber hits the road. You've got some technology and you're working with clients. It's not you've got some technology and you're working with mentors to get you to a stage to get some take some to sell some equity to then maybe see if you can you know which actually works in b2c probably better because like i say you you don't have to work on long sales cycles you can just put your app on on you know uh, the an app store or um you know set up an online website and just do some pr and marketing and you know you can see pretty quickly uh in in the b2b world um you know there's some of some of our companies and some companies that would come to us. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't actually need another round, or they come out of the program in a much better position to negotiate for better investment terms because they've got customers, they've got big customers, and all they need to do is keep growing that. Um, I think there's a hangover from the dot-com era where we think, you know, uh, an exit. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. A, an exit means a certain type of thing. I think there might be a new generation of entrepreneurs which are thinking, uh, and I think you can look at someone like TransferWise, and you were sort of saying that as well. You know, they're not scared of the banks; they're just going on doing things. Uh, you know, there's, uh, companies now there's the opportunity for you to just get on with it and do it, and you don't need to be thinking just about 
when is my exit? Yeah, when the finance. I mean, we had Simon Cook from um, DFJ Esprit, you know, a big VC manager. And he said the same thing. He said, I, you shouldn't be working toward getting my phone call. You mm. should be working toward, you know, getting cash flow, building your clients, making your yeah. customers happy. It's not like I give you, you know, a chunk of money and then everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he kind of reiterated that. Joe, what's your, what's your thought on that, on that same question? Um, I, I think... Incubators are the same as anything else. There, there is, there are a lot of incubation, um, uh, you know, companies or organisations out there, and I, I think uh, in the same way that business, some businesses are good, some businesses are bad, some are kind of good at what they do, maybe they change it up a little bit. The same thing will happen with incubators. You know, the, the startups will go in and they, they'll either come out better and tell everybody, or they'll come out and say, mm, I'm not really sure that was worth my time, and that will get around. And the incubator will either need to improve on those points and become a more uh, value add. Uh, incubator or it will just stop running you know because whoever if, if the incubator is, is passing those on to investors and the investors are not really impressed then they're not doing their job on that side it, it, it's just one of those natural cycles where if there are too many then the weakest will just have to drop off mm. and the strongest will prevail you know and, and the, the the startup community is such that the strong ones and the ones that really provide value everybody will know about because they will say I went there for six months best thing I ever did you know, and, and that's not to say that there'll be you know five or six that are the really strong ones. Different incubators provide different value yeah. to different startups. You know, um, so if if one has got a you know much better kind of retail uh, proposition and, and they can help in that uh, sector much better, then they will get renowned for that, and they'll they'll start to attract just those those types of startups. So, yeah, you know, it's something Colin and I were talking about. I mean, just getting the ear of someone that knows the CTO at a big bank. I mean, like you said, doing business in, to a bank is, is such a difficult process. Mm -hmm. So like just giving people that introduction, that kind of information flow. And like you said, ultimately you're introducing these people to their future customers, yeah. not their future investors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd say it's not just, you know, I, I don't want to be beating up the banks because it's it, all large corporates are difficult to yeah, sell to yeah, all no, large large businesses and what we hope with the fintech innovation lab is that you have uh if you've been able to do it with the banks then you know it should be a breeze doing it to you know yeah. another another corporate you know you know one one thing that always comes up on, uh, on the show is you know silicon roundabout versus silicon alley silicon valley you know and we always seem to talk about this and i'd love to get your thoughts both of your thoughts as as you know where are we obviously we don't see those big public exits that the states has everyone has to uh, admit that fintech is one of the most exciting things going on in london but in your opinion what do you think is missing in london or is there anything missing when it comes to those major centers as far as a mentality does it need more more things like what you're doing more exposure to investors um i i i sort of i'll, I'll be cautious here because i've not done any being being having a research background i've not done any real done detailed any research. research into this <laughs> but I mean, just to, if we were just going to go be completely simplifying it, I would just say the fact is there's more money in America. You know, that's it. And people talk about, yeah, in, in Europe and the UK, we're a lot more cautious. Uh, and I think that's true. We're culturally more cautious. That's totally true. But they also have more money. So I think we've got to get over that. Um, and the getting over the we need the big exit in Europe um, I'd rather say we just need the great businesses. We need the profitable businesses. Uh, and actually, what's, what's, what's better bootstrapping than never getting your billion-dollar investment but becoming a $10 billion business without it? You know, Because it's, it's tough in Europe, but it creates, and it, I think it already, always has, created a level of innovation, particularly in the UK, uh, which I personally think comes out of you know, the culture and attitude we have here, which is, you know, we're kind of, we're hard on ourselves. We don't make it easy for ourselves. Um, and, you know, it's a completely different attitude uh, from, from, the, uh, from the US. Um, and the US has done, I mean, we all know awesomely at, at this sort of stuff. But, you know, the UK isn't too bad, really. We, for our, you know, we punch above our weight historically in terms of innovation. And I don't think we should worry too much about, you know, trying to replicate uh, you know, that the, another model. Joe, is that something you come up with all the time? Do people bring it up, or do you think about it? Yeah, like, I hate the "where is the next Silicon Valley" question. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want there to be another Silicon Valley. It is, it is what it is. I want London to carve out its own, its own shape. It doesn't, it doesn't need to replicate anything else. 
Um, you know, it, obviously it is, uh, you know, a number two or perhaps a number three in the world for, for startups, but it's just, it's, it's on a path. And I think it's, it's only going to go on to do, to do bigger and better things, yeah, and it's on um, the especially especially in finance. Yeah, and it's on the doorstep of Europe. It's got so much potential. Yeah, I, I think when the Americans go straight to Europe, they usually screw it up. You know, it's just it's it's hard to understand it without being here. You know, mm. kind of on the doorstep. You know how it works. Um, so, I want to ask you a question. If if uh, they sacked you from Accenture tomorrow, I'm not uh, hopefully not. But if they did, and you had to sign like a non compete, you couldn't do any research, you couldn't do anything <laughs> like that. Well, and I gave you some seed capital. You know, five or ten million pounds. What, what would you do with yourself? You know, is there a startup you would like to go run after? Or uh, you can't go to an island, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I bet I, I could buy an island and I, then sell some. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, you don't seem like the kind I could of guy. Be, that would I could be the still. Uber for islands. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd find capacity on beaches and I'd resell it. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, that. I'll, let me answer your question in a different way. Okay. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't see myself as an ideas guy. Um, but a lot of people talk about, um, you know, making your luck or make, creating opportunities and such like that. And I'm coming to think that actually what it is is it, it, you've got to look at what assets you have in your, and that might be your, your personal skills, or, or it might be, you know, something you literally own or access to a network you have, or, you know, you've got to look at those assets you have and then how you can turn those assets into something that's profitable and fulfills you as a person. Um, rather than going, I want to create, you know, the best website dedicated to peanut butter-based recipes in the world, but actually I've never made peanut butter, I don't know anything, but I'm going to teach myself from scratch. And, you know, don't try and pick this sort of ideal what you really want. Look at what you've actually got and how you can turn that into something really amazing. Because the stuff that you've got and the experiences that you've had no one else has that. And all you need to do is piece that in the right order to create value for someone. And whether that's, you know, making, uh, you know, uh, getting employed by someone else or whether it's making something that you, you run yourself, it's, it doesn't really matter. Because for me, I know this is going to sound really cheesy, but it's a bit more about personal fulfillment. And, you know, I just want to feel happy with myself um, that I'm doing something that I enjoy. And I'm very lucky right now to be doing that. Um, Joe, you must see that a lot, where people have a great idea, but then if they look in the mirror, it doesn't reflect what they have. I mean, we had Jeff Lynn from Cedars here, and he was um, going to business school here in London, and he met a guy who needed basically a lawyer, you know, which is what Jeff is, and needed someone who could sort through all these legal docs to, you know, do these startup companies. And mm -hmm. he's like, that's ultimately why he partnered with me, you know, because he knew what he brought to the table. But I mean, do you, do you see that in the drink about where a lot of ideas are flying around, but you're like, okay, what have you got? Or what are you good at? Yeah, I mean, you, you see a lot of ideas being discussed and quite often people say, hey, you know, do you want an idea? I've got an idea, I'm never going to do anything with it. I think it's great, but I've ju I'm just not the right person for this idea. And they'll give it away and someone else will go, oh, I kind of like that, you know. And so that, that kind of happens uh, all, all the time. And you, you're fine with people um, that uh, are doing their thing. They're concentrated on their thing, but because they're ideas people, they're still coming up with, with so much stuff and they'll just, they'll just talk to everybody about it. You know, they're not gonna, they don't keep a secret black book of their best ideas that they're going to do when they get around to it because <laughs> they know that someone else will come up with it eventually. Yeah. So, that, so they just chat about it. And you know, ideas kind of evolve that way as well. You say one thing and someone else goes, oh yeah, but you know, kind of what you were saying earlier, if they've got proposition A, but actually it fits on B better. Mm. Just chatting to people and, and kind of being open about your ideas actually helps those ideas evolve. Mm. So yeah, they, they kind of fly around all the time. That's well said. All right, Samad, I'm going to hit you with the advice question. This is a good one. But if you could make a, a phone call to the 20-year-old Samad um, uh, and you could uh, give him a bit of advice, um, what would you tell him to do or not to do? I'd be like, I'd say, listen to, listen to the old guy on the phone. And, and the 20-year-old would be going, what? Who? Who? Ah, yeah, I'm not listen. saying you would take the um, advice. <laughs> what, what would you tell him? Um, I would probably say, uh, yeah, just do more exciting just do more adventurous things take more risks because ultimately it it's probably going to work out uh, in the end what i realize now about what boot what bootstrapping really means and what i've learned from seeing entrepreneurs and seeing the courage they have is that ultimately you will make it work so it doesn't really matter where you go and where you how you stumble or whatever because you will make it work you've got those skills to do that um, and you know, I, I would just I would just tell tell the younger me to just be a bit braver. I think.
think. It's something we hear a lot. Everyone always says, like, especially when you're young, before you have the mortgage payment and before you got the diapers, just to go out there and just do some crazy stuff and take some chances, you know, when, before you have all those commitments. Yeah. Well, I don't have those commitments now. Well, there you go. But, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And on, okay, on that same note, what's the best advice you've ever been given? It was actually that phone call one. So um, uh, it was listen to people who are older than you. Because, really? Yeah, because... Uh, a little, a quick little story. I was, I was at a bar. It was a big night, and you know, lots of people there. So, and was outside chatting to a guy. Turns out he's ten years younger than me, and the other guy is ten years older than me. And so we're like, oh wow, we're all like ten years apart. So that me and the younger guy turn to the older guy and say, uh, so tell us, tell us, what's it like? What's, what's the future like? You know, and and because you're obviously still cool, you're hanging out here, and you know. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, yeah, okay, well, the one thing, the one thing I, I, you guys need, really need to know, the one thing you need to know, listen, listen, to, listen to the older people because they really know what they're talking about. While he's saying this, me and the younger guy change subject. We're like, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> nice. and he's in the background nice. going, yeah, I thought that old lady who told me and I really wish I, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, you know, for me, it's, uh, that's my advice, but... Like all advice, you're probably not going to stick to it. So. Yeah, no, that's well said. And, and the final part of that question is, you know, to the 20-year-old listening or the 25-year-old that, you know, is starting in the business, you know, starting and, and wants to maybe be a, a tech startup someday or maybe one day get into the, the FinTech Innovation Program, what advice do you have to them? Hmm. I would say, um, hmm. don't believe the hype. That was one thing that has stood me very well is to just be, uh, don't get carried away with things. Try and think very, you know, however cool or modern or new something is and, or uh, an idea is, always try and go back to basics. And to learn those basics, you just try and be, uh, you know, a, a good, normal human being and focus on your personal relationships, your own personal life, because you ultimately can't, you don't have a yardstick to measure good or bad ideas against if you yourself don't ha aren't a normal consumer and have your own life and your own interests and you know so just be as as normal a person as you can enjoy yourself do what you want and those ideas other things that you want to do um, if you want to be an entrepreneur just have a normal life as well you know don't forget that you're also a human and and if you lose that humanity you you kind of it it was pointless doing it in the first place. It's interesting spin because everyone has all these new tech ideas, but you know, business is as old as the Bible. And, and, and the, the quote of the episode for me is what you're saying, business is all about trust, mm. really. And, and, and that's what doing good business is and getting to know people. So as cool as your idea, as virtual as the world might, might be, you know, as we know with the drinkabouts, you pretty much do need to sit down and be around people. And, and uh, one of the reasons you put, put everybody in the same spot, because I think you need physical density of people to get those yeah, ideas to yeah, happen. You yeah, know, you yeah. can't do it all, all online and stuff. So, um, Joe, uh, before I wrap things up, what did I miss? Is there anything I didn't ask him or anything that was on your mind? Yeah, what, I, what I'd like to know is how close have you come to jumping ship and joining one of the things that you research because you just, you just think it's great? Good question. Um, not, well, <laughs> I did, I did it. I used to research Accenture and, and I joined okay. them. And when I left, a lot of the people I worked with, so were saying, oh, uh, you know, you, you, it was, you know, at first I was a journalist, then I became an analyst, which was considered jumping the fence. Yeah. Uh, and then as an analyst, you know, I was analyzing the IT industry and Accenture. So I've already done it and okay. it's paid really great dividends. I love the company. It's a it's a great company. It does. It's got great people involved in it, and um, I was really happy I did that. Mm. Um, I think because my my very first job was right, or my very first proper job was writing for a magazine that was trying to be like uh, the Red Herring for Europe. If you guys remember that yeah, magazine, yeah. and uh, so it was trying to write about venture capital in Europe and tech. Uh, and it launched in t September 2001, I think. Basically, it launched just after, after. the dot just after the dot com after the Nasdaq crashed in June yes, or whatever. Yeah, yeah okay. and just around you know September 11th. And so I spent a year <laughs> trying to research VCs that weren't investing and startups mm. that weren't going anywhere. And I learned very quickly that what the hype is and was was. And so I, you know, 
yeah, there are some companies I see that go, I just think, wow, that is a really solid idea. That's brilliant. That's going to be amazing. And then I look at myself and go, I'm not really sure I can add anything to them. So it goes back to that assets thing. You know, sure. If I see somewhere that I see a great marriage of what I know and can do with what they know and can do, then I'm always interested. You know? So you're not tempted to jump into one of these startups. You're just happy to kind of incubate them and help them along. Yeah, for, for now, yeah. I mean, for now, I, I, I've, the job I'm doing now is something I've always really wanted to do and I'm very lucky to do it so uh, you know I'm happy to help I, I want to help people I want to see new technologies I want to see how business works and I've got a lot to learn so you can learn from that excellent great. excellent so all right we've, we're talking about days I think by the time this gets published until it's for people to apply so tell them again how they can apply um, what do they do so they can go to the website fintech innovation lab london.co.uk uh, you can google it and the application form is on there uh, September the 8th is the deadline uh, so please get your applications in yeah and they get to hang out with you as well for like a few if they want the yeah I, yeah we uh, yeah yeah they can ha they hang out with me they yeah. hang out with you and they can meet Joe at the end in March yeah yeah oh yeah you can meet Joe well you can meet Joe whenever you want yeah really. any Friday yeah. pretty sorry, much sorry I just basically invited the whole <laughs> that's fine that's fine yeah. that's what <laughs> we do anyway it's cool. <laughs> we promote it every time and um, what about uh, are you on Twitter if people want to get in touch with you personally is that, or, or do you not want them to I, I don't use Twitter personally okay. much, but if you did want to find me, it's Bad Mood Masood. Really? Wow. <laughs> Bad Mood Masood. Okay. Um, awesome. I, I, I like this program from the beginning. Uh, I, I think it's a great idea. It just sounds like this whole pay it forward thing, which is kind of what we're trying to do with Silicon Reel and just feature all the cool people out there and, and hopefully people listen and get a bit of an education. I think that's what the beers are doing with all their events. So uh, I, I'm really curious to see how this turns out the next yeah. seven months. We're going to be following it very closely. Yeah, no, I'm very happy about that and very pleased. And thank you so much for having me on. It's been great. No, I think, I think what you guys on. are doing is, is awesome. Thanks. It's been fun. It was on a whim. You know, it really happened randomly. If you don't know the history, I mean, we, we had done London Real here for like two years and then I was like, I've never done anything about the Silicon Roundabout. What a douche. And so so then I found Bryce, and then Bryce came on, and then boom, 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 it's Silicon Reel. So it's crazy how quickly it happened. But uh, speaking of the beards, um, what's coming up, Joe, for you guys? You guys are always busy. Wow. Well, uh, we just had a big summer party at the weekend, yeah, which yeah. was fantastically filled with rainwater, which was just great. I mean, it's lovely today. It was lovely the day before. Yeah, it was lovely the day after. <laughs> great. But we, uh, yeah, we, we launched our own uh, our own beer. So uh, we, we've got... Uh, what's it called? Seen that? No, no, no. Uh, we've got Fail Faster Lager and uh, Minimum Viable Pale Ale, MBPA. <laughs> See what we've done there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and today we've just announced that we will be launching Silicon Drink about Amsterdam on September the twentieth. So that's, that's big. Uh, yeah, that's huge. Fantastic. That's huge. And uh, maybe there'll be uh, there'll be some more locations later in the year. Okay. And obviously the uh, drink about every week. Well, I'll be there as well. And uh, then you've got your you don't pitch me bros monthly, and your next sizzle is probably three months from now, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Lots going on. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. That's the toughest seat in the house. It's very hard to be there. You did a really good job. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, you can watch these videos on the YouTube channel, Silicon Reel TV, or on Twitter, at Silicon Reel. Um, we're really here to feature the people of the community. So if you have any ideas of who you want to see on here, just email us, let us know. And also, we're not only going to have the, the successes, we're going to put a few guys that have failed. We want a few guys that have just started up and then obviously the founders and CEOs as well. So um, we're going to bring all of that at you. And um, yeah, that's it, guys. We, we say it's about the people at Silicon Reel. That's what you guys said, 90% people. So uh, I'm really curious how this whole program goes. And, and thanks, thanks a lot for coming. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. Of course, when you're an entrepreneur, you want to retain as much as possible, um, and you want the highest price because it makes you feel good. But if you rate, if you take money from an angel or crowdsourcing platform, or for us at the wrong price, and you don't get to the next milestone, haven't created value, and you need to raise more money, going back to my uh, Gutenberg story, then. There's